It's essential that we follow this argument that Paul gives to its natural and apparent conclusion. Paul lays down this principle which undergirds the entirety of his life and ministry. In verse 19 of our text, he said, I have made myself a slave to everyone for one purpose, and that's to reach more people. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You have your Bibles, open them this morning, and I just, in planning, we've had this event planned for a few months now, and I was asking God, say, God, what is it that I could minister that would really be apropos to what we're talking about today? And he immediately took me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Many in this building know the phrase, becoming all things to all people. But sadly, it's become more of a catchphrase in the Christian community than it has a dedication of life and heart. And so what I, would, I really sense that God wanted to do is just to, to just bring this to light and say, what does this actually mean to become all things to all people? Is it just a superficial, feel-good medium? Or is it actually a valid, applicable reality for my life? And that's where I want to take you this morning. So just quickly in the next few minutes, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, read with me. It's, although I am free, I'm a free man, and not anyone's slave. Underline this in your notes. I have made myself a slave to everyone. What's the reason? To win people. To the Jew, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like those under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those who are without the law, I become like one without the law. Not being without God's law, and within, but within Christ's law, that I might win those without the law. Listen to what it says. To the weak, I become weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means. Paul, the great optimist, brings pragmatism into it. He says, by every means possible, I might save some. Now I do all of this because of the gospel. Ultimately, what does it mean to become all things to all people? First, ladies and gentlemen, it's more than just acknowledgement that someone is different and that you are okay with that and you secede the fact. 
literally what Paul is declaring here, it is a conscious, cognizant, accepting the difference in your psyche personally, but also in the body corporately. You see, it's easy to accept different people from a distance. It's easy to accept people that you don't have to embrace. And you find that in church every day. You notice most people, when they come to church, they usually sit in the same chairs next to the same people because they like the same scenarios, environments. In our church, I'm one of those kind of cantankerous guys. Every once in a while, I'll just get everybody up and say, pick your stuff up and let's move. But the problem is, you know what happens? Is they just move to another seat and they're all still sitting together. And then I have the audacity to tell you to get out of your chair and go visit somebody you don't know. Introduce yourself. You know, if I'm going to live a long time with Adam Osorio, I better start liking him right here. When I get to heaven, we're going to be there already, ain't we? And because God loves us so much, he's going to probably make us neighbors. But that's the thing. Adam and I have a tremendous relationship. Five years ago, that wasn't so. Four years ago, that wasn't so. Three and a half years ago, that wasn't so. But over the last several years, he and I and many in this room. I, I'm always amazed that Christians say, Pastor, I go to church, but I don't have any friends. And they get upset at me because I say, well, whose problem is that? Oh, that church is just not friendly. Well, then why don't you become friendly? I only got two amens out of that whole statement. What, where does it say in the word of God that they have to come to me? I have to accept that difference, but then I have to purposely decide to embrace it. And why do I do this? Why did, did Herb and his son and literally thousands upon thousands of others after years gone by have embraced this becoming all things to all people? Why? For the sake of the gospel. Look at Paul goes into our text here. Or actually, as you're reading 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 9, he alludes upon this entire concept of becoming all things to all people. He told the church at Corinth, he said, you must be willing to give up your right to eat meat that is sacrificed to idols. Why? Because there is a problem with them eating meat? No. As most of you know, my wife and I were raised in a religion that you couldn't eat meat on certain Fridays. You know, you had to give things up for Lent. You had to do all of this stuff, and I never could figure out, how do you, how do you give up a case of liquor for Lent and then just go right back to it afterwards? I, you know, I could never figure this stuff out. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Say amen, so me, or say I'm not going to convict myself. Paul is telling them, listen to this, it's not that the meat is a problem, but you have to give up your right to eat that for the sake of those who are susceptible to it. If you have a friend that is part of AA or, or uh, you know, 
the different programs out there. How many know you're not going to sit down at a bar and have a visit with them? If you've got somebody that's a part of something, you are going to forfeit your rights. I've had so many people say, well, well Pastor, that, I, don't, I, don't sh- I shouldn't be in bondage. What's the deal? Have to dress this way or, or not eat this or not eat that. The bigger picture that God is explaining here is we're doing what we're doing for the sake of the gospel. Am I making sense this morning? See, Paul goes to the nth degree in this passage. And listen what he says. He says, not only do you do this, but he said, you become a slave to everybody. Man, that's tough preaching. What does that actually mean? It means that not only you give up your rights, but you live as if you have no rights. This ain't going to be the easiest message I've ever preached. But it is the understanding that we have to come to if we're going to have a victorious Christian life. It's not a matter of just giving up our rights. It's a matter of living as if we have no rights. I love a passage in Colossians that says Jesus nailed the handwriting of ordinances to a tree. What Jesus literally did at Calvary is he nailed his rights. He told Peter at one place, don't you know I could call 10,000 legions of angels? Don't you understand that nobody is doing this to me? I'm doing this for you? We give up our rights for the sake of the gospel, for the sole purpose that someone might be saved. These men and women that are part of this organization, they travel all over the world sacrificing their own money, their own time, their own uh, um, conveniences, their own living conditions. For what purpose? To deliver a stinking camel. And I say that literally. Have you smelled one? To deliver a motorcycle someplace that these guys, if not, they would spend hours and hours going someplace that could take them minutes or moments. Do you see a correlation that the Lord is trying to lay out here? Now, let me tell you the biggest problem that we have with this is this generation that we live in, and I like to call it the PC generation. How do we know what PC means? My wife tells me, honey, you need to type that out in the bulletin so they know exactly what it is. And so I do. Political correctness. We live in this generation, and I like to put it this way, where everyone's right but the right. But the PC generation will be very quick to tell you and demand all that it has is, about, is around its individual rights. Tough concept for 21st century Christians. To think, okay, the whole world revolves around everybody's individual rights and I'm supposed to give up my rights? It's essential that we follow this argument that Paul gives to its natural and apparent conclusion. Paul lays down this principle which undergirds the entirety of his life and ministry. In verse 19 of our text, he said, I have made myself a slave to everyone for one purpose and that's to reach more people. 
He said, I become a Jew to the Jews. I become weak to the weak. I become as without the law, as without the law, even though I am still in the law with Christ. In verse 22, he just reiterates it in very simple terms. And he said, I have become all things to all people that by all means I may save as many as possible. So let me take this a step further. Paul said it's not just about, and please, ladies and gentlemen, ride with this, 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 ride this, this, this cruise with me. He said it's not just about giving up rights. It's not about having no rights. But listen to me. It's about inexplicably changing your identity. You see, we're not a Christian in church. We're not a Christian in prayer time. We're not a Christian when we feel like it. We're a Christian 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's my identity. It's not Tim Masters. It's not CMA member. Why did those outlaw gangs say, you guys hold the money? There was something about their identity When you and I are in a public forum, does our identity speak that loud? See, this is is tough preaching Paul has here. He said, I'm not just talking about giving up rights. I'm not just talking about having no rights. I'm talking about you have to die that Christ will live. Are you okay with me? And you see, that's what CMA, but let's just take the MA off. That's what Christianity is really all about. Mike, I was talking to him yesterday, and he said they, I think it was you, Mike. Like I said, I was talking to so many people. Like uh, He said, we show up at this place, and all of a sudden a whole bus full of young people showed up, and they start clamoring around us because they're motorcycle guys. What are you doing here? And they're able to share the gospel and preach the gospel. Why? Because they're not motorcycle guys, they're... Christians, giving up rights, having no rights, because I've laid down my life. And in Christ, I have died. Does this sound like our Wednesday night class we've been going through the last few weeks? Don't don't miss this, this concept. Because for you and I to become all things to all people, it's not foremost an action. It is a mindset and a heart attitude. It's a mindset that willingly subjects itself to the sensibilities of others when we know that sometimes others aren't too sensible. Matter of fact, sometimes we aren't too sensible. Can you say amen? Now let me take you back where Paul drew all this from. His example came from none other than Jesus Christ himself. The ultimate example of this whole concept of becoming all things to all people. In Mark 10, it says, But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first must become a slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Jesus points out, 
over and over in Scripture his self-sacrificial death as the example of what it means to become a slave to all. In Romans 15, it says the Messiah did not come to seek and to please himself, but to seek and to please the one that sent him. And look what the scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2 about you and about I. It says you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Listen to what it says. I'm reading 2, 5 through 10. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. God took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being like you and I. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself further in obedience to his father and died a criminal's death on the cross, though he was innocent. Therefore, therefore, say that with me, therefore, because Jesus did all of this, look what the word of God says, because of this, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him among the name among every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Why? Not only did he give up his rights, not only did he live with no rights, but he said, I come for one purpose. And that's to seek and to save the lost. Ladies and gentlemen, look at me for just a moment, please, this morning. In the day and hour we live as Christians, we had better come to our senses. Church is not a game. Church is not a Sunday pastime. Church, people say, I don't have to go to, no, you don't. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But if you don't stay in church, you probably won't stay a Christian. Why? Because you have to have the fellowship. Have to. Every devil in hell is reaching out to tear this boy apart. And this girl. And this man. And that woman. And this man. Every devil in hell. And you know all he has to do? All he has to do is just get him over there. All by himself. There you go. Get over there. Go live your life. Oh, I'm praising God. And he's praising God. Go ahead. Praise God. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> But then pretty soon when he's all by himself, his knees are going to get a little weeble. Go ahead, weeble. All of a sudden he's going to get down and he's going to, he's going to start falling. And all of a sudden he's going to be down on his face, not before God, but because he has no strength. But then God says, we need each other. So I'm going to come along and I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to say, hey, let's get back into fellowship together. You did that good. You did that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's that strength of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, in this day and hour we live, we need the CMA. We need to be a part of what they're doing. Why? They'll reach people we don't relate to. Different ministries. The Bible says there's lots of them. And they all have 
a purpose to the Jew they become like the Jew. To those without the law like without the law. Jesus became all people in a way that you and I will never have to. What do you mean, Pastor? He literally died. The creator became one of creation and died for his creation. A holy God took on flesh and dwelt among sinful people and died in their stead. Because he said, Dad, I'm going to leave the 99 just to go find the one. Jesus became a slave to all that he could reach as many as he could. Can you say amen? Paul, and Paul had this young boy named Timothy. He met Timothy. Timothy was a Greek. Converted to Christ. And in Acts chapter 16, as in your notes, you can read it. That he met this disciple that was born to a Jewish woman and a Greek father. And Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. Listen to this. Timothy's already late in his teens or his early 20s. And he is committed to be circumcised. Why? Because he knew the Jews wouldn't accept him. Think about it for a second. We don't have much of a choice at eight years old as a child, a male child. But when you're in your late teens and 20s, you're thinking, man, Timothy was about to do something Not that he had to do. Why? Before God, it wasn't an issue. But before the people he was going to, it was. So what did he do? He knew it was going to be painful. But let me just say, he took one for the team. He became all things to all people that by all means he might reach some. This is not something that was done before God. This is something that was done before man. He did not want to be a stumbling block. Now understand, becoming all things to all people does not mean you do whatever it takes to get people saved. There are limits. I said this at the beginning of the message, how we have watered down the gospel because we're afraid to offend people. We have taken and we have, we have converted the conversion. Well, you know, you could do this or you could do that. You don't have to do it the way the Bible says. We don't stand up for what the Scripture says because we're afraid that we're going to reject more people than accept. But the Word of God tells us very plainly there are limits. 1 Corinthians 7, he said we're... Were you called while you were a slave? Talking about a literal slave in that day's culture. It should not be a concern to you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. For you are bought with a price, and you were not your own. So Paul is telling us, he says, 
I'm not talking about just becoming a slave to man to do whatever man says. He said, no, you become a slave to man because you are first a slave under Christ. There are parameters to the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we're teaching on grace on Wednesday nights in our Book of Romans series. And I, I, I grew up with the terminology called greasy grace. You can just slide in and slide out, and everything's going to be just fine. Just keep sliding around. I don't know about you, but just sliding around that pan, pretty soon you're going to jump out of the pan into the fire. If you don't get yourself settled down, can somebody say amen this morning? Ultimately, the Bible teaches we are slaves to Christ, not to man. But because of our relationship with Christ, we give the same coordinates to man. Let me give you an example that will probably seal it in everybody's mind. How many here have ever worked a service job? A job where you're working for somebody else. Well, in your job, on the wall of many of those jobs, it says the customer is king. The customer is always right. The customer this, the customer that. How many have worked those kind of jobs? Well, how many know the customer really isn't? Okay. Who do you really work for? The boss. No, in this secular reasoning, the boss. The reality, if that customer comes in and demands something that is contrary to policy, what's the boss going to tell you? Ain't happening. Yes, you become everything that customer wants you to be within limits. If somebody comes to you and says, well, pastor, you know, I like the Bible, and I like this woman I'm married to, but I like that woman you're married to too. What do you think? It doesn't work within the parameters. We have this whole homosexual agenda going on. Folks, polygamy is next. It is next. They're already talking about it. They're already talking, and I'm not a conspiracist. All you got to do is go Google a little bit. They're already talking about humans marrying animals. Folks, you start into this deep pit. You can't talk about that in church. Why not? The Bible does. You work for that. You have the parameters of that job that mandates what you will and won't do. And when somebody wants you to go outside of those mandates, you say, sorry, can no do. It's the same thing in God's word. When it says all things to all, to all people, it is not talking about doing whatever it takes to get them saved. There are actually religions that have been established through the seduction of women to get men into their ministry. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. He says to those without the law, he said, I become like one without the law. But look what he says. Not being without God's law, but within the law of Christ. All things to all people, that by all means I may reach some. It was very clear that the law of Christ guides his slavery to men. The law of Christ sets the parameters of becoming all things to all people. With these guys and gals that are part of this organization, that we're recognizing and celebrating here this morning. They understand the parameters of the gospel. Just because they're sitting there with the outlaws or the hell's angels or whoever the other bike group might be, they're not going to pop 
JD and JB out and start swigging down just because they're trying to relate to them. No, they're saying I can get high without that. I'll have a lot of people come up and they'll, in a greeting, they'll say hi. And I'll say, usually. And some of the people look at me like you're looking at me right now. <laughs> hey, I got saved about 30-something years ago. I've been high ever since. Folks, I've been drunk, you can count on one hand in my entire life. I've never smoked a joint. I've never popped a pill. I've never, I got high playing music. I used to do this stuff for a living, and, and I got high playing music. But I tell you what, I have never came down off the high that I got when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that's why people say, well, preacher, you're kind of passionate. Is there an, off, an alternative? I mean, if I'm going to preach this living gospel, am I going to do it as a dead thing? Could you imagine coming to this church and she said, indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. I, if you serve, I have two sons. And, and the word of God is saying this. You're going to sit there between snores. I mean, it's hard enough to keep some of you awake when I'm preaching. But can you, you imagine if I, Ari, would that be, you hang around that much, would you? Say, God, give that boy some Holy Ghost juice. He needs it. Folks, I'm passionate about this thing. I've not been saved long enough to get dead and dreary and dried up. Maybe 60 years from now or something. I don't know. But look at Paul. He had a quite humble view about all of this. He said, guys, it's not about rights. It's not about identity. It's about saving someone. This is why I do it. I become all things. Folks, what I'm preaching today is not church, church growth seminar material. Matter of fact, they'd get me out of a church growth seminar if I told you that you actually have to die for them to live. It's not about reaching a certain demography. It's talking about becoming all things for one purpose, for the advancement of the gospel that someone might get saved. Paul's not talking about becoming culturally supercharged. He's talking about becoming culturally neutral, not about specific groups, but about rather becoming versatile with the purpose that God has set before you. Many churches seek to be culturally cutting edge and as trendy as they possibly can, but at the end of the day, they end up becoming completely irrelevant to everyone who doesn't fit into the hip, trendy culture they try to progress, pr promote. You and I have one purpose. Christian Motorcyclists Association have one purpose. And our relevance becomes our stand for Jesus Christ. Once again, back to Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9. Paul said, I endure everything that I may not hinder the gospel. Folks, I can tell you right now, you're going to irritate people and people are going to irritate you. People are not going to like where you stand, but they're going to know where you stand. And that's what is going to be revolutionary to their life. How can you in this political correct world, this relativistic world where, you know, once again, everyone is right but the right. 
How can you have such a clear-cut stand? And you can say, because I have firmly planted myself in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. You see, the clear implication is that it is possible that you I and I can hinder the gospel of Christ. It seems like a bit of a paradox, but it really does matter what we do and do not know. We have to remember that the same Paul that penned Romans 9, penned 1 Corinthians 9, talked about how the realities of our life have to be consistent with the realities of God's word. Our job is not to try to to solve biblical paradoxes or to to, uh, uh, help somebody understand the, the dark writings, if you will. But our job is to faithfully live, believe, and obey God's word, whether we can make sense out of it or not, because it's your life and I standing firm in that gospel that's going to take a weary life and pull them up out of the pits of hell. Can you say amen? This is the life that we're to live. This is the life that we're to give. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.